You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Well, this week and next week, I'm going to visit a subject that typically we teach into once a year around this time of year, and it's the subject of giving. The subject of giving. Now, of course, giving can and should represent so many things in our lives. The the giving of our time, the giving of our gifts and our talents, the, the giving of ourselves. We can carry a generous disposition in life. You meet some people, don't you, and they're, they're always asking after you, uh, never asking, uh, looking for you to ask after them. And then the other people who, it's like the world rev- revolves around them. They are the epicenter of the universe, would never think. And we, we can be generous in our disposition. We can be generous with our words and we can seek to position ourselves as encouragers. But this week and next week specifically, we're going to look into financial giving, stewardship, what we do with what we have. And also faith has to come in in this topic, this dimension, how we trust God in this area of our lives. And then right at the outset, I need to confess, as I always do when this comes around, that I'm both excited and a little bit apprehensive. I'm excited because I know what God has done in our lives. I know that as God has helped us lay hold of some principles in the kingdom in this area of giving, and God has done such a work in my life in this area, we have, we have understood who God is. God has made himself real to us through this. As we have trusted him and he has come through, we have experienced the goodness, the provision, the reality of God in our lives, in our marriage, in our family. It's one of the key ways we have come to know God for himself. So I'm super excited that as we look at this, there are many people could enter into a new phase of experiencing God. And I am ultra confident that if you step out in trusting God, you will see him come through. You will see him provide in miraculous ways. You will experience the goodness of God at a new level. But I'm a little bit apprehensive because I know this is a delicate subject, isn't it? Isn't it? Now we can admit it. It's a, li- it's a bit sensitive, isn't it? I know when we say, I am now going to speak on financial giving, some people tighten up immediately. If you folded your arms, just unfold them now. It's okay. It's okay. I'm your friend. I'm your friend here. But there's that bit of us, it's like, you know, come, you know, preach on faith, preach on the goodness of God, preach on his faithfulness, preach on, you know, how I can become a bigger person and finding my destiny, preach even a character message on humility or, or, or integrity, but, but, but don't, don't go there. It's my money. And yet, I, I want us to understand that God is after helping you become a bigger person. God is after helping you experience something of his goodness. I'm also aware there will be new people. I'm always really sensitive. It's your very first time in church and the preacher is preaching on money. And you know, you're going to go home and go, I went to CLM this morning and they were teaching on money. You know, it's like, it wouldn't be our first choice welcome. Hey, great to see you. Welcome to Zealand. We're preaching on money. But in good discipleship, you have to visit this. 
You, and so there's always going to be somebody's first week. But let me tell you this, if you stay with us for 12 months, you'll see a balance of teaching. It just happens to be today. So if it's your first time, welcome. And uh, we are unashamedly going to go there because it's a powerful thing. I'm also, on top of all of that, aware of multiple different experiences. At one end of a spectrum, there are those uh, which is typified by a lot of British churches that are too afraid to even go there. And never teach on this. And I believe do the body of Christ a massive disservice in shying away from a huge part of discipleship and unlocking the goodness of God. And then at the other end of a spectrum, there are some churches that seems to be the only subject they ever preach about. And I've got to say, that, that's not right either. Because as I read my Bible, it's definitely there, but it's not the only thing that's there. Now, some of you, you've been in churches where there's a mini-sermon at offering time. There's the main sermon, but there's the mini-sermon. There's the sermonette, just to, to you know, to, to, to oil the, the wheels into motion. Well, we pray that God would help us, but we are very conscious that this is a huge and important part of the discipleship on our life. So with that as a backdrop, I'm going to pray And I'd ask you to pray with me. Holy Spirit, we look to you and I want to say in this moment, I believe your ways are higher than our ways. And your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And I pray, would you find us? We've just sung, we've not contrived this, it just occurs to me, we've just sung, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Well, may that extend as we look at your word to be the posture of our hearts to say, Holy Spirit, come and speak to me. Do whatever you want to do. Help me because I trust you that you want the best for me and you want to help me to become a bigger person. So come, help us today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the title for my message today is The Pocket and the Heart. The Pocket and the heart. Now, I understand that not everybody's going to carry money in their pocket. I carry money in my pocket. Well, I used to carry money in my pocket, and then I had teenage children. And uh, so they now carry money in their pockets, and I have just turned into a cash machine. And any parents in the room know what I'm talking about. Something happened. You know, I, I had children, and it was a great joy in my life. And occasionally I would treat them to things, and they were incredibly grateful. And it was just a beautiful exchange. And then something happened, I just became a cash machine. And occasionally they'll interact with me if they need to, but mainly it's just to make a withdrawal. Uh, So uh, that is what's happened in my life. But actually, uh, maybe you carry money in your pocket. Uh, We're using it as a metaphor, the pocket and the heart, to say the pocket represents the place of our substance. Of course, practically speaking, maybe your money's in your bank account, maybe you operate online and you do it through an app on your phone, or or there's a card, or you're a lady, you've got a bag and a a purse. But, But we're saying the pocket relates to our substance, that which has been entrusted to us, Job said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will depart. Praise the name of the Lord. And anything we have comes by the grace of God. We didn't enter the world with anything. The little Baines baby, she didn't come in with a bank account, fully clothed, you know, Gucci. You know, she, she came into the world on Friday morning with nothing. And anything we have has been entrusted to us. That's the pocket. But here's the reality that... We cannot separate out our pocket, in that sense, from our heart. We might think that we can, but actually we can't. Our 
our pockets and our hearts are directly connected. In fact, our willingness and our openness to give of our substance represents a work that has gone on or is going on in our hearts. It's one of the reasons that some people become defensive because you speak about the pocket and it hurts them in the heart. If it wasn't so, it wouldn't be an issue for people. It's like, don't, don't go there, because actually the two things are connected. Come with me if you've got a Bible to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to read a few verses from the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. This is what Jesus says, Matthew six nineteen through to 24. It'll come up on the screens. Do encourage you to bring your Bible to church. I also know a lot of you these days, you, you like to get a Bible app on your phone. And, and I'm not criticizing you if you're turning to your phone right now. A lot of people do. That's probably the, the main way people access the Bible. I'm also aware it can be incredibly distracting when you try and get up in the morning and uh, you have a quiet time, but you know there's there's WhatsApp and there's Snapchat and you know Instagram and it's it's all it's all there in the same device. So I'm old school. Uh, anyway, if anyone's old school, just lift your Bible up and say old school. Okay, good. I'm I'm for the old school. So um, anyway, this is what Jesus says, Matthew six um, nineteen. Do not. Can we say do not? Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure or treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money or, or, or mammon. This is the word of the Lord. Well, we can thank God for this, even though it is this, because his ways are higher than our ways and he wants the best for every single one of you. Let me say this, where your treasure is, your heart is also. Your pocket and your heart are directly connected. If your pocket isn't converted, I can tell you your heart isn't there yet. Four thoughts this morning. Firstly, my giving demonstrates what's first. It reflects my heart's priorities. Let me say that again. My giving demonstrates what's first. It reflects my heart's priorities. What matters to us, we will find a way of investing in. There are some people I know, they love great clothes and they would prioritize good clothes. That's like some of you, you love clothes. Some lady, you love shoes and bags. You know, you kind of just, you know, can never have too many good shoes or bags. Don't really need one, but you just see one, you'll find a way to buy it. Hello? Am I speaking to anybody here? Are there any men in the room can say amen? You know, uh, so uh, that's not true in our life, by the way. She's not really interested in shoes or bags, but I know a lot of ladies are. But, you know, there are many who are excited about cars and will find a way to invest in, in a good car. There are those that, that have a passion for travel and will find a way to prioritize travel. There are some who have a love for Coventry City Football Club, but counseling is available. Um, we, the truth is, what matters to us, we will tend to give to, 
And we'll unpack more next week a powerful principle that runs through the whole of Scripture, which is the first and the best belong to God. Not, not be nice to, give, uh, nice to give to God, I actually belong to God. And we'll come back to a powerful principle. But here in verse 19, Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. What he's saying is here is invest in God's kingdom. Invest in what is eternal. Invest in what will last forever. Invest in what will outlive you. Invest, you know, that, like someone said at a funeral, you know, how much did she leave? And the answer is everything. Invest while you're here in things that will last forever because there will be attached to you a reward. And it is a reflection of my heart's priorities. You see, we can sing Jesus at the center of it all. Nothing else matters. But if there's no evidence of that on my bank statement, I'd question it. You Maybe you're a young person and, and, and you don't have a bank account, but how you spend, if there's no evidence that God is first on our spend sheet, on a, an analysis of what we give to, if there's just nothing there, I'd question that because giving is a spiritual matter. We can think that prayer is spiritual, that Bible study is spiritual, that people who hear the word of God accurately and move in words of knowledge and words of wisdom and, and high-end prophecy, they're spiritual people. I want to tell you, giving is spiritual. Giving is a spiritual matter because it is directly connected to the condition of our heart, the posture of our heart, and whether God is actually first in our lives. Jesus says, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. He, he, he didn't actually say, although I, I don't want to make a doctrine out of this, he didn't say what, where your heart is, your treasure is. He said, where, where your treasure is, your heart is. Which helps me understand that giving isn't a feeling, it's a decision. Where I put my treasure, there my heart will also be. So maybe I have to make a decision in order that my heart would find the place that it actually needs to rest. You know, if we invest in stock or you invest in a company, you're going to suddenly become very interested in how that company is performing. Where your treasure is, your heart is there also. For, for me, I, the first time I really got moving in this, I was 19 years of age. I've been a Christian uh, at the age of 17. It was, I was 18, 19. It was probably up to a couple of years after giving my life to Jesus. Uh, and I can't remember hearing a sermon on giving or, or anything, but I became... Convicted, I became challenged as I drew, drew closer to God that I, my substance needed to reflect the priorities of my heart. And I remember feeling challenged that I needed to tithe or give a 10%. Now, back in those days, I received a, a termly grant from a local authority as a student. And I know like, oh, those of you students now would love that to be the case. But it wasn't actually a massive amount of money. It was a token gesture to get you started. It probably covered your rent, but no more. I remember when I was a student, my termly grant was about £700. And I felt challenged that when I next got my termly grants in my first year at uni, second term, when my grant came in, I needed to write a check. Some of you, you don't know what a check is. It's like a piece of paper that you write. It's like making a transfer. Um, but back in the day, that's how we moved money around. And I remember writing a check for 70 pounds because, uh, now let me tell you this, it wasn't because I felt really excited and enthusiastic about doing that. It's that I knew it was right. 
It wasn't I felt excited, it's that it felt right. It was the right thing. But something happened that when I made a decision to do it, when I committed to do it, I became excited that I was doing it. Something moved in my heart when I made a decision. Where my treasure was, my heart followed. And I can remember going to church with my check, really excited about putting it in. Something happened. I want to encourage us that, you know, our giving demonstrates what's first. And many of us, we have to take a step in this. You might not feel like it, but something happens in your heart where your treasure is, your heart is there. But it is a representation, a demonstration of our priorities. My second thought from this text here is my giving puts faith into action. It reflects my heart's true beliefs. Now, I say true beliefs advisedly because I think sometimes we can say, you know, I believe that, but we don't actually act upon that. And as somebody once said, you know, what, what we believe we will do and the rest is just talk. Many of you will know the story of, of Blondin, the great tightrope walker who was a, a legend in his field. And uh, he set up once a tightrope across the horseshoe of the Niagara Falls, uh, just between the, the Canadian-American border, and a massive crowd of thousands of people gathered. He was a great showman, Blondin, and, and he, he called the crowd to attention, and he said, I am Blondin. And he said, I am going to go across the Niagara Falls and back, and the crowd started to shout, we believe, we believe, and, and he set off and, and he did it, and he went there and he came back, and then he silenced the crowd, they had gone absolutely nuts, and he silenced the crowd and, and, and he had a wheelbarrow and he said, I am going to wheel this barrow now across the tightrope with a person in it and wheel back, and they were, we believe, we believe, and he said, who will be that man? <laughs> All those who said, we believe. I see that hand. Legend has it that it was his own mother that hopped into the wheelbarrow and went across the Niagara Falls and back. He went again and, and cooked a pancake in a frying pan. But that's another story. Let me not get into Blondin. It's not our message for today. But we believe. Many of us, we can hear messages. We can say, I, I trust God. And then he says, great, go on then. We go, no, no, we don't actually have to go. We don't have to prove it. It's like, Lord, I do. I trust you. You know I trust you. But he'll tend to go, go on then. It's like, no, no, no. We did. Like, don't be silly. We don't have to actually act it out. I mean, you know I would. You know I could. I'm not afraid to walk on water. I said, go on then. Get out of the boat. I said, no, 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 Lord, Lord. And this, because the Lord wants to do something in our lives. Will we trust him? This is one of the key areas the Holy Spirit will come after you. When you say, Lord, I trust you. I say, great, I love that. Let's see it. I believe, I believe. Wonderful. Hop in. And what happens when we do something incredibly uncomfortable has to take place in us as we go on the journey of faith. We move beyond what seems and feels natural and reasonable and safe and comfortable. And God comes through for us in a miraculous way. You know, if you, if you were to read on in this passage, and it's very interesting, there's no break in the original. I paused for time at verse 24, which finishes, you cannot serve both God and money. But straight after that, uh, Jesus says, therefore, and if there's a therefore, you're always wise to ask what it's there for. 
He says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life or what you'll eat or drink about your body or what you will wear. And he goes on, he says, don't worry about substance. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So into treasure in heaven. And don't worry about everything. And all these things will be given to you. They're not separate passages. They're joint passages. Trust, trust me in this area of substance and everything else will be sorted but it requires a step of faith and he'll come after us. Something powerful can go on in our hearts when we step out and trust him. See, faith, Hebrew says, is substance. It's not talk, it's real. That's why giving is a spiritual matter. It moves us out of theory into working with God in reality. You know, sometimes we we can be challenged to do something. The Holy Spirit might be visiting people right now and knocking on the door of your heart. And and often what happens is our heart responds and said, I want to be like that. I want to be like that person that trusts you in this area. And Lord, I'm excited about being that person. And then we do the maths. And we go, oh, I I don't think it can work. But the Lord isn't saying, "I, I didn't ask you to add it up and see if it would work. I asked if you trust me. This has been the journey and story of our lives. Many times the Lord has asked us to do something that is beyond and we've had to trust him. We've had to get out of the boat. And what can happen? It's like Peter, you know, getting out of the boat only we kind of clamber out. We're still holding onto the side. He's like, on, let go, let go. That moment, I'm going to trust you, Lord. And something powerful can happen in our hearts and in our lives. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Thirdly, my giving overcomes the spirit of mammon. It reflects my heart's love. Jesus says you cannot serve both God and money. You'll either hate one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. Well, well, what are we devoted to? What do we love? We'll say, Lord, I I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice. Get off. Jesus is saying, what, seriously? You, 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 You love me? Where are the priorities of your heart? The Greek word uh, mammonus uh, comes from the word mammon, which is the Syrian god of riches. And I want us to understand, it's important for us to stand here, there is a spirit on stuff. You might think it's just, it's just stuff. There's a spirit that wants to have us. It will want to have you, want to own you, want you to serve it. This is what Jesus is saying. You, you cannot serve both God and mammon. It's a spirit. This is something, I don't know if you've ever seen something and, and it's got under your skin. You wanted it so bad, you got to have it. Have you ever, I mean, I, I, I've experienced that. What is that? You've seen something, it's like, I just, I have got to have that. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? It's like, what, what is going on there? It's a spiritual thing. Now, nothing will break the spirit of mammon off our lives like giving. You know, you see, and you see little children, they play like parents, they get toddlers together because they think it's going to be really sweet. And you know, for the first time, one little child enters another little child's domain and they go and they, they get hold of a, a certain toy and then that child that had no interest in this toy comes over and goes, I was playing with that. And so they go find something else and go, I was play, playing with that. You know, it, it's mine. That's mine. It's mine. My, mine. Yeah, mine. My, my precious. <laughs> this is our stuff. Our stuff. There's a spirit behind that. Let me tell you, God has got no issue with us having stuff. 
It's what's owning us. What's driving us. What we're serving. You know, we, God, done such a work in our hearts. Some of you know part of our story. One of our stories, we'd been married uh, for about a year and uh, we'd managed to, to move into our, our first home and we'd, got a, we'd been given lots of bits of furniture and we're kind of just about getting set up and the Lord came and spoke to us very clearly that he wanted us to give £10,000 away above, over and above our, our normal tithes and our regular giving. Now that moment, like we had just about £300 in a bank, but we knew God had spoken to us. Now I want to tell you, it, was, it wasn't actually that difficult for us. It was a big faith step, but we knew God was in it. But we didn't own the £10,000. We didn't have it. So we went on this faith journey. We knew that God was, was asking us to do this thing. And so like we bought some scissors to cut each other's hair. And you know we kind of pared the, the budget back, that sort of thing. I'm only joking about the hair. The, um, <laughs> but we pared our budget back and we stepped out. And God helped us incredibly. We got promoted at work. And, and we managed to do this thing. It took about 18 months. Now here's the deal. Because God spoke to us really clear. And some of you, you know our story. We've shared it before. What was incredible was in the two years that followed, we, and we, we only know the total because it became so crazy we ended up totaling up. We got given from unsolicited sources uh, £17,000 back in the next two years. We became money magnets. Like the Lord was saying, I, I didn't want your money. I, I wanted your heart. You tell me that you trust me. I came to see. Now, some of that, like we got given two cars, and, but some of it was cash. And I remember like we put some of it away and then we worked hard. We got, I got a second job and I put, because we had a dream. We had a dream of buying an investment property. And over a period of about another three years, we, we managed to accumulate in our, in our savings 12,000 pounds, which we were going to put into an investment property. And we put an offer in on a house and it was turned down. And at that moment, the Lord spoke to us and said, I want you to give it away. And I was like, what? All of it? And, and, and clearly there was that sense of wanting you to give this away. And I can remember, you see, that the first gift had been relatively straightforward because it wasn't there. But now that... I was like, Lord, give me a break. I'm like, pick on AJ. I mean, it's like, this, this, why are you doing this to us? And it was harder because it, we'd got it. It was mine. I was like, Lord, you know you can have anything, but not that. And the Lord said, come on, open up your hand so I can bless you. And an incredible work of grace happened as we we moved out of, of that place of, well, my place probably of resistance and challenge to say, Lord, you can have it. And then again, something powerful happened in our hearts with this great joy in that. And then as happens to be so often the case Three years went by and our dream came to pass in a supernatural and miraculous way. You know, I, I, I don't say this because I think we have to be really careful with give to get. I understand there is a principle in the kingdom of sowing and reaping and what you sow, you will reap in, in the widest sense of the world. But if we give in order to get, then what happens is selfishness gets sown into our heart and God's trying to work selfishness out of our heart. But if we give to give and we give out of faith and we give out of obedience, what tends to happen is the Lord says, well, I want you to have it anyway. It's not a problem to have things. It's what's owning you. And nothing will break the spirit of mammon off your life 
anything like the power of generous giving. Fourthly, my giving conforms me to Christ. It reflects my heart's progress. Can we all say progress? You know, I don't want you to realize your heart, I'm not talking about the muscle that pumps blood around the body. I'm talking that real part of your inner being, your epicenter of your spiritual life, that which is really the, the essence of who you are, that which can be after God and that God can be after, that your heart can develop, your heart can progress. Your heart can and should be growing. You know, so my heart should be becoming bigger and larger. You know, God, God is interested in making you bigger than you ever thought you could be. God is interested in you walking in the destiny of who he created you to be. God has come into your world, not to bring pain and difficulty, but to shape you and release you into all that you can be. And this is one of the ways that he works. This is one of the ways that he changes us. This is one of the ways that he transforms us. And our hearts can expand. Our hearts can grow. You know, many of us, we love Romans 8, 28, don't we? For I know that in all things, God works together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Anybody love that verse? I love that verse. That's one of my life verses. I believe I love God, I'm called according to his purpose, and God is working everything out for my good, because that's what he does. But the next sentence, which is not detached from this, says, and those he predestined, which is, by the way, all of those that were in for the first part, he says, those he predestined, he, he predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. He said, if you love me and you called according to my purpose, I'm working everything out for your good and I'm making you more like Christ. The conformation of our lives to Christ. You become more like Christ, you will become a bigger person. You'll become a better person. You will become nicer to be around. You will walk into your destiny. You will do things you never dreamed you could do. The more you become like Jesus. But I believe we cannot become more and more like Jesus and not move into the arena of giving because nobody ever gave like he gave. He is the greatest giver this world will ever know. Jesus gave everything for God. So love the world that he that he gave. God is a giver. He, so we cannot become like Jesus and not enter into the realm of giving. Something happens in us. And I know there's be that part of us, we want to resist this work, but, but let go and know that God wants to expand your horizons. My giving cooperates with the process of conformation. And let me say this as well, the enemy hates it. You have an adversary who wants to keep you locked up and limited. I've got one sister, she was born generous and I was born tight. Like I remember growing up, it's a right pain when you've got a generous sibling. Every time it came round to a birthday, I'd say, yeah, Susie, what, what are you getting mum? And, and she'd go, oh, I'm getting mum this. And I'm like, oh, what? That's like, I'd do the maths, it's like five weeks pocket money. God, I mean, it's like I was hoping to get her a Freddo and do a homemade card, do you know what I mean? I'm like, because then I could free up the rest for myself. And now I'm going to be shamed if I turn up with my little offering. And, and, but God did a work in my heart. 
I've said it before, I was, I was like a, a door with rusty hinges in this area. And the Holy Spirit, like a picture of oil, started coming oil on my hinges. I go, come on Martin, you can do this. Oh, oh go on then Lord. And a bit more. And give a bit over there and that, go and bless that person. And something happened. Something, I became a bigger person than I would have been without Jesus. God did not come after my stuff. He came after my heart. And he came to make me a bigger person. Proverbs says that the world of the generous gets larger and larger. And the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. See, I don't know if you noticed when we read those verses at the start. Jesus says, where your treasure is, your heart is also. And most of us, we know those verses. And then he goes on and says, you cannot serve both God and money. Yet right in the middle of it, there seems to be these verses that seem a bit out of kilter. What's going on here? It says, the the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy. If you've got an NIV, you'll see in the footnote, it, it actually says the Greek implies generous. Your whole body will be full of light, but if your eyes are unhealthy, implies stingy, your whole body will be full of darkness. God wants to do something in you, wants to do a work in you. See, I understand there could be many who could be asking internally here, what's the motive here? Do they need more money? Is that why we're teaching this? Let let me say this in response to that, if that's your question. Unashamedly, we are excited about resourcing a vision here. God has not called us as a church to run services, but with other churches in this city to change this city for Jesus, to bring the kingdom to every life and sphere of society. And make no mistake that our giving has a direct impact on how quickly we can move that vision forward. Now, we have no working reserves here. People walk into this church, they look at the building, and I know because people have said to me, they think, wow, it must be a wealthy church. Look at the building. I have no idea the journey of faith we've been on, we continue to be on, with what is currently a one and a half million pound debt, and by the grace of God, we're bringing that down. But it's a faith journey as we trust God. Now, so much in the bringing of the kingdom, the organic work of our witness, our prayer, our care, it it doesn't cost, but the organized that facilitates the organic, our meeting together, our building, our bills, our staff, our ministries, our, our outreach, our mission, it costs money. We have no working reserves. We're not bankrolled by the Vatican. Which means everything that is, is given comes from the generosity of the people. Comes from our own response and our obedience to say, I'm part of this house. I'm going to sow into a vision so we can move forward to the next level. It's just how it works. So unashamedly, it would be bad leadership to have custody of a vision and not look to resource it. But let me say this. If money were no object, if a millionaire was to come and say, I love what you're doing at CLM, I I like, what's your debt? One and a half million pounds, great. Let let me write you a check for that. Let's just get rid of that. Right, like one, five, zero, 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 zero. Wow, thank you, Jesus, great. Give it good, put it in the bank, done. And also, you know, I I just want to, I want to resource what you're doing. I'll put 20 million pounds aside in a bank account. So you get two million pounds a year. Just, uh, I don't want to be held back by resource. Let me tell you this, if that happened tomorrow, we'd still teach on this. Let me say that again. If, if that happened tomorrow, we would still teach 
on this because it is such an important part of our own discipleship. God is looking to make you bigger. He is looking to move you into a powerful arena where you can be a bigger person than you would have been, where you experience his provision in a way that you haven't done before. I believe Jesus is saying here with this verse of the, if your eyes are generous or healthy, if your, if your eyes are stingy or unhealthy, he's saying a generous and outward looking life will fill your heart with light. I want to say that's been my journey. That's been my joy. A mean inward looking life will fill your heart with darkness. The question is, will I cooperate with the call to yield my pocket? Will I honor God? Will I trust God? Will I love God? Will I allow my heart to progress in this area? And I'm aware for many people this is a big step. This is a difficult step. I'm aware for many people there is, a, there is faith required, but God is able. As we come into land, just, uh, we're going to take a moment to watch a clip from the Blessed Life series that we're running through our life groups at the moment. This is from Gateway Church in America, and this comes from Pastor Jimmy Evans, which is on week six. So if you're running this, you won't have caught this yet. Just enjoy I, was raised, I wasn't raised in poverty, but I was raised down the street from it. <laughs> and uh, I worked from the time I was 10 years old. I mowed yards. I, I, I threw newspapers at four in the morning for many years. I went on Saturday morning to the donut store and filled a wagon with donuts, went door to door and sold donuts. I hauled hay, I plowed. I, you know, I worked in a car wash and when Karen and I got married, I was working in a car wash. And so my family worked very, very hard and we didn't have any discretionary income. We just, we survived. So when Karen and I got married, I was working for my uncle at his appliance store and I was making $7,000 a year. That was my total income. I went to college. I was doing that and Karen was a stay at home mom and we lived in government housing. Um, you had to be broke to qualify and we qualified instantly. And our, your house payment was based on your income and our house payment was $109 a month. And so it, we were, but we were just overjoyed, you know, to have a place to live. And so we went to church living in that house at that time. We went to church one Sunday and the preacher was preaching on giving. Well, I had, I had never even thought about the concept of giving money to a church, you know. So the preacher stood up and started talking about us giving 10% of our income to the church. I thought, he's crazy. <laughs> I feel a lot sorry for me, more sorry for me than I do this church. I'm, there's no way. I, I was just disgusted. And I just folded my arms and I thought, I'm never coming back to this place. You know, preaching on giving, wanting my money. So we, we go home and I'm just, you know, I just kind of put it out of my mind when we get home. And Karen walks up and says, I like that preacher's message. <laughs> what? And she said, Jimmy, can I give $40 to the church? I mean, I, 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 just, did, I just thought I was going to die. I mean... I wanted money. I, I had a dream of having money in my pocket that I didn't have to pay somebody. I wanted money. I'd never had money. And I thought if you had money, all your problems went away. And I wanted money. That was one of my dreams. And when Karen walked up and said, can I get $40? We didn't have, the only way we made it was float. You know, we, we never had money at the end of two weeks. I got paid every two weeks. I mean, we, about 12 days into the two weeks, we were broke and we wrote checks that didn't land for a few days. Anybody understand float? That's the, that's the only way we survived was by float. So Karen comes up to me and says, can I give $40 to church? And I thought, well, I've got two answers. One, one is I say no and God strikes me dead. And the other is I say yes and we go broke. So yes, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and live and say yes. Yeah, and so I, mean, I just couldn't believe it. It just, it just freaked me out. So Karen, you know, gave $40 to the church. And I just thought I married a fanatic and she's gonna kill us. 
So she gives $40 to the church. So for two weeks, we didn't get any more money in or anything like that. Two weeks goes by and we're tr- I'm trying to survive to the next paycheck. And nothing you know, happens mysterious or anything like that. But at the end of two weeks, we had money in the bank. For the first time ever, we had money in the bank. And, and so I thought, oh, thank God we survived that. Oh, thank God. Thank God. Karen walks up and says, can I give 40 more dollars? I said, oh, Karen, oh, no, 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 don't, no. We survived. We survived that $40 thing that you did. But she was very sweet in a kind of an evil way. And she, can I give another $40? It's like, Karen, you want to give again? Yes, I'd, I'd like to give again. Well, whatever you think, whatever you think. You know, so she gave again. Same thing happened again. I, I can't put a calculator to it. I can't, no big checks came in the mail. But I'm just saying something happened in our finances that even caused my hard heart to start thinking God was up to something. And then she gave again. Then she gave again. And she gave again. Then I remember the first time we wrote a check that represented 10% of our income. And I thought, I'm pretty much the most spiritual man on earth. And then... <laughs> And of course, then it was our giving. <laughs> we give to the Lord. So that preacher disgusted me. And he changed our family for generations. Our children tithe off the first money they ever got in their lives. And they have given since the day they were little bitty kids. They're givers. See, we were first generation givers. It was really hard on me. Giving broke a spirit of poverty off my life and an orphan spirit off of my life. And I know God because of giving. Sometimes when I preach on giving, it makes people mad. I understand that. Totally understand it. But I'm your best friend. And generations from now, your life will be different if you give to the Lord. I laid down my dream of having money. And God has blessed us in ways that are unbelievable. I wonder if we can pray. Yeah. I wonder if we can pray. I said at the start, I know this is a sensitive and delicate area. This also has the potential to be a life-changing experience. I'm conscious you may be blown away even by some of the numbers that have come out in testimony and it feels like a, a million miles from what you're able to do from your present reality. Let me tell you, when we began, it was the same for us. But it began with a step of obedience. It began with a decision to honor God. Maybe you're a young person here. Maybe you're a student. I want to encourage you. If you make this right in your own life now, it will serve you for the rest of your life. You'll walk under the power and the blessing of God. Maybe in these moments, the Holy Spirit is tapping gently but unequivocally on the door of your heart in the way that he does and saying come with me trust me 
I want to unlock something in your life. I believe the Holy Spirit wants every person in this place to experience the joy of obeying God in the area of giving and seeing His provision and His blessing. Of knowing what it is to trust and see Him come through. I'm praying about this. I, I felt very clearly I needed to invite people to respond. And I wonder in these moments if we could all close our eyes and bow our heads. But I felt the Lord asked me to say to anybody here, you know the Lord is speaking to you today. You know God is knocking on the door of your heart. Maybe to trust Him for the very first time in this area. Maybe to put something right that for a a long time it comes around and you resist it and it goes away and it comes again and you know things aren't where they need to be in this area and the Holy Spirit comes again. Maybe you've trusted God in this area but you sense Him working in your heart today so I want to take you to another level if you need to respond today I felt the Lord asked me to invite you to stand where you are I never want to make a response difficult for people but I I think there's something significant sometimes we know we need to respond and when we make a physical response something happens I'm not going to take a mental note of who stands up we're not going to follow up this is for an audience of one but if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you today I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet right now and I know many people will need to respond many people I want to invite you not to look around if you're praying just pray maybe you're sitting in your seat don't be bothered about who's who's standing next to you who's going to see this is between you and God maybe your heart's thumping and I'm going to give you one more moment if you need to stand to your feet I'm going to pray Spirit thank you Lord you are so committed to doing a work in our hearts thank you Lord you want to turn our lives from ponds into rivers and I pray for every person that is responding in these moments I pray God you would help them I pray you would help them to carry and follow through with whatever you are speaking to them about doing right now you give them the courage and the boldness to step forward to put into action a moment of faith that is represented here and I pray as they do that they would see the floodgates of heaven opened over their lives you would do something transformational that their their hearts would be transformed there would be joy released that they've never experienced before and you would open the windows of heaven that they would never experience lack where there are steps of faith 
financially represented in this room. Some things need to be put right and put in order. Some things done and changed. I pray, God, you would, there would be a wave of testimonies of your goodness. I thank you, Lord, that, that you only come after our pocket to get to our heart. But your desire is to bless. Your heart it is not to take but to give. It's been said so many times in this area, we cannot outgive God. And that is a testimony of my life. And I pray that every person that stands, they might stand with a challenge in their heart. They might feel daunted in this moment. But I pray their testimony would be, I stood to do something and I learned that God cannot be outgiven. And he did a miracle in my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you take your seat? Thank you. I'm going to invite us all to stand together and the musicians are going to come and and join us. We're going to sing as we finish, Christ is enough. And I encourage every one of us to, to make an expression, a declaration of our faith. I want to say Christ is enough. He is all that we need. Maybe you're on a journey with some of this. I understand, but trust Him. He is enough. He is able. His arm is never too short. Sometimes we just have to put our faith into practice. Move beyond the the words and the declaration of our mouths into substance. And we see God come through at another level. And I speak that over every person that tries to trust God in this area.